is Robert Mitchell with episode 47 of High Tide in the Dream Time. Uh, today's episode is going to be called Psychedelics, Narcissism, and the Road Nowhere. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast, and if you are, it'd be great if you'd leave a review at... Um, I don't know, Apple Apple Podcasts or whatever. You know, someplace where you can let other people know that you're enjoying the podcast. That helps. All right, so the first thing I want to say is I always make my podcasts in response to uh, things that I experience in my work. And with both um, astrology and psychedelics, which both of those things to me are founded in psychology and depth psychology and that sort of work. I do encounter this impediment to people benefiting from both things. And mostly I experience it uh, with psychedelics because people come to psychedelics because they want to change things. They want something. They're suffering usually. They're usually suffering in some way and they don't want to suffer anymore, which I think is a really valid reason to work in this venue. It's And you know what? More than anything, I think that psychedelics can alleviate people's suffering. And usually it's a suffering that is built into their narcissistic structure. Meaning, most of us form our egoic state in response to our environment. We say, I don't like these things. I like these things. If I behave this way, I get the things I like. And I avoid the things that I don't like. And you can develop an entire personality and life out of that. And oftentimes, many people do. And oftentimes, many intelligent and talented people do that because they're able to construct uh, a structure in themselves that keeps themselves feeling safe and comfortable and successful and um, happy for a while. But these structures are founded in avoidance or um, approach to to ways that they want to be perceived. And, you know, I do this too, so I'm not blaming anybody. It's a natural thing to do. It's an instinctual thing to do. However, it's been my experience that people usually do this based upon their own kind of uh, karmic structure. And I know that sounds kind of funny and kind of out there, but... It isn't. And what I mean by that is when I work with people uh, with astrology or I work with people with psychedelics, what I like to emphasize to them is that they were not caused by their environment. And because I can look in an astrology chart and talk to somebody for hours about what their experience has been and how they are, that shows to me that there's like an a priori experience that precedes there's an a priori structure that precedes their experience so when they get here when any of us get here we are here because there are things that we are working out 
There are opportunities for transformation that are built into each person's experience, every single one of us. In fact, it's my belief that that's the purpose of life, is that there's some unrealized potential, there's some unrealized insight, there's some unrealized transformation that each one of us can go through that gives us something during our life that a discovery that we didn't have before we got here, before we lived this life. And, you know, you can account for people's talents and their insights and their abilities that they, that they sort of arrive in this life with. And then there are things that we all have to work for. And when I see, by the time I see most people, they've lived quite a lifetime in this character structure that they've designed for themselves to navigate the world. Now, it's a certain percentage of that is going to be totally genuine and part of their gifts and part of their person and part of their uh, life force that, 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 that exists outside of space and time. And then part of it is going to be some kind of compromise that they made so that they can be liked or not messed with or their feelings aren't hurt or they don't have to deal with experiences that cause them suffering. So they experience themselves in a way that makes them feel impervious to that. So I kind of see my work is in deconstructing that so that something fresh can arise with people in their experience. So they can be experienced new ways going forward. And part of the work that I do requires humility. Like it requires humility from me and it requires humility from the people that I work with. My humility is in that I don't actually know what's going to help somebody and when they come to me. And when I look at somebody's astrology chart, when I start looking at it, I always have this bad feeling that I have about five minutes of information to give them about themselves. But then something kicks in, some some kind of intelligence in me kicks in that then starts connecting uh, information that's in their chart so that there's a real natural narrative about what their experience is about. And more times than not, or, you know, usually it's quite helpful to them. Now with psychedelics, which, which I kind of feel like work with the same kind of intelligence that astrology does, I never know what's going to happen with people when they have a psychedelic experience. I mean, I, I could have a, you know, have an intuition, but I, 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 but I can never know the part of themselves that needs to heal. They have that in them. And I don't do any magic for them to have that experience. I just make them safe. And I make them, I develop an empathic relationship with them so they know that I care about them. And I can't really uh, work with people that I don't care about because my care makes it safe. It makes them feel safe. It encourages this part of them that has an intelligent awareness of their history and their coping mechanisms and their suffering and their 
impingement and the part of them that recognizes that these experiences are an opportunity to open that up, to open up the aperture of that healing space in themselves that knows what the best of them is, that knows the way they've suffered, that knows the way that they have compromised their experience of themselves. And more often than not, that is the source of suffering. I'd say 95% of the people that I work with, the source of their suffering is the ways that they've compromised themselves, either to be approved of or not hurt or not abused or um, appreciated. And they're ready to let go of that and to bring forth something that's more genuine and more honest. And the prerequisite to be able to do this is humility. And to me, humility is the bomb for narcissism. And the one thing that stops psychedelics from working is a narcissistic structure that wants to hijack the experience. So I have this experience sometimes where I'm working with people and they don't want to open up to the experience and make themselves vulnerable. They don't want to make themselves vulnerable to their suffering. They don't want to make themselves vulnerable to their confusion. They don't want to make themselves vulnerable to their actual soul's need to transform the way they are in the world. You know, um, there needs to be a relationship between the ego, which is our state of consciousness that we construct around ourselves to navigate the world and our self, which is eternal. And, you know, that's, you can say that's not real or you can say, you know, you don't believe in that, but, you know, that's why a hundred million people are on antidepressants because people look at things mechanistically and they don't look at soul. So when I know psychedelic experience isn't going to work for somebody is when their ego hijacks the experience. And it always reminds me when I first, when one of my uh, kids first flew, we flew into uh, Denver, which, you know, if you've flown cross country a lot, you know that Denver, if you've flown through Denver as a hub, it's bumpy. You know, it's got weather, it's got altitude, it's got wind. And he was, he, we were flying in and suddenly we hit this big patch of turbulence and the plane started bouncing and going up and down and sideways. And he, and he, in his, I think he was probably 16, 17 months old, started going, no, 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 no. <laughs> and what he wanted to do was he wanted to control the plane. He wanted the plane to stop doing that. And 
it didn't work. And the grown-up version of that in a, in a psychedelic experience is somebody going, I don't want the power of this intelligence that I'm encountering to deconstruct me. That's too scary because this construction is my defense. This dis- dis- destruction is my iron suit. I mean, this, this construction is my iron suit. And if I take it off, then I'm not Iron Man. I'm just a person who's struggling, who's vulnerable, who doesn't feel safe. And so what someone usually starts doing if they start feeling that way is they start taking the power of the psyche, which they encounter in their psychedelic experience, and they, they start using it for their ego. I don't see this a lot because I really do want to screen out people who are going to do this or I want them to uh, know beforehand that this is not going to help them. Um, but it does happen. And then what happens is people start to think that they have superpowers. They start to believe that God has chosen them for some special mission that's above all other missions. They think that they are, um, I don't know, the, the greatest writer of all time or that they have psychic powers or, or anything like that, you know, and that's what they want to talk about. They, and more often than not, that it's no longer relational. It's no longer relational between them and anyone around them. It becomes a monologue. It becomes them listening to them declare their specialness. Because that is the root of narcissistic wounding. This is happening to me because I'm special and there's some reward for me out there for enduring this. That's, the, that's why a lot of really narcissistic people are super successful. Because they feel like what they endured, they endured. It's going to be endurable if they can prove their specialness through their achievement and through their specialness. And the that being someone's mythology, it gives them a lot of fuel to pursue that fantasy. So when they come to, to, to work, when they work with psychedelics, they're going to use psychedelics to animate that fantasy just like they use every other part of their life to animate that fantasy. And if they do do that, it's a complete waste of time. There is nothing that can be achieved in that except more narcissistic fantasy. And usually that shows a character structure. It shows that that's what they do. Now, I have no bone to pick with people's achievement. Um, 
because I think achievement's a great thing, especially if you're a leader. If you're a natural leader and you're achieving things, benefits other people and shows other people what their capabilities are, that is a wonderful thing. Run with that. And I've worked with some really, really, really successful people who have real humility despite their achievement. Their achievement isn't based on compensating for this narcissistic wounding. Their achievement is based on their leadership capabilities. And so the biggest impediment to development using psychedelics is narcissism. It's somebody just putting the psychedelic experience in their narcissism fuel tank. Rather than going, here's an opportunity for me to deconstruct parts of myself that keep me from connecting with other people, that keep me from feeling my vulnerability, that keep me from feeling my humanity, that keep me from feeling my connection and need to be loved by other people and to love other people. So, you know, the, 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 uh, you always hear this thing in the psychedelic community. Well, what would, uh, don't you think ayahuasca would help uh, um, Trump? <laughs> and the answer is no. Because, you know, for a lot of reasons, he wouldn't find himself in that situation, but he would just funnel it into his narcissism like he does everything else. And the reason that he was president is because there's enough people in the country that their narcissistic character structure is the primary ordering experience of their life that they thought that's the guy we should all vote for. And those are all the same people who don't want to wear masks because they feel like they're so special they're not going to get sick. And if, you know, you saw anything, I saw that, that last week. It was really funny, actually. It was one of the funniest things I've seen in the whole coronavirus, which was Ted Nugent had gotten coronavirus. And he said, I got the, I got the China shit. And it was just funny because it was somebody who was super narcissistic. He said he almost died, realizing that he was not separate from the biological world that everybody else was a part of. And what I always struggle with when I work with people is people who want to be separate. People who do not want to approach this kind of work with humility and they want it to use it as another tool for their success or their and you can see also how narcissism is affecting the psychedelic community by all the people who are now investing in it and creating IPOs and public companies with psychedelics. They're not people who actually understand psychedelics. They're people who want to benefit from them just like narcissists do. So my purpose in creating this um, podcast, this one particularly today, because I've run into this a couple times recently, is to tell people if you are going to experience these things, if you are going to approach these experiences, 
do it with humility. You know, one of my favorite, I was talking to somebody about this this weekend, one of my favorite um, quotes of famous people is, uh, I remember reading this Rolling Stone article when I was in college, and it was when the Grateful Dead were the biggest band in the world in the early 90s, and they'd have like a football stadium. I know I've told this story before. It's, I like it, though. It's they had football. They had a football stadium full of people inside, and then there'd be a, that many people outside wanting to be inside. And the writer had just uh, he, he's doing a a bio, a bio piece on Jerry Garcia, and after a week, he said, um, "You know, I've, I've been with you a week, and you know wherever you go, you are met with the same reverence." that the Dalai Lama is, because I've written an article on the Dalai Lama and people are just as excited to see you. Um, But you have genuine humility. Like I can see your humility is genuine. And Jerry Garcia looked at him and he smiled and he said, well, if you were me all the time, you'd have a lot of humility too. (laughs) And I think that all of us, you know, not just in in psychedelic experience. You know, the opposite of narcissism is humility. The opposite of narcissism. You know, to me, drug addiction and alcoholism is the purest form of narcissism because you're just tending to how you feel all the time. Above all things, above your responsibilities, above your relationships, above your, um, you know, your spiritual life, above your, your emotional life. What you're just saying is, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And humility is the opposite of me, 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 me. Humility is the me, 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 me doesn't understand. The me, 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 me doesn't know. The me, 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 me needs help. Help me is humility. Help me understand. Help me change. Help me love better. Help me be more loving. Help me be kinder. Help me be kinder to myself. And it's not just relevant in psychedelics. It's relevant in life. What a relief it is to say, I don't understand. Help me. What a relief it is to say, I don't know how to do this. Show me. Can you help me? Because so many of us grow up in situations where we don't know. We aren't taught everything that we need to learn about being a person, how to love, how to be kind to ourselves, how to revere the most important things in life. And so we go off into life without that understanding. And how remarkable it is at times when we're no longer children to be able to have other people show us how to do things 
that we don't know how to do. But that can only happen if we ask for help. That can only happen if we have the gratitude of the people that are willing to help us. If we have gratitude for the people who are willing to help us and value them and value what they do for us and value what they teach us and value how they heal us with their kindness and with their love and with their care. And the only way we're ever going to get that is with humility, is opening to the unknown, opening to the mystery, opening to the generosity of the intelligence behind all life that animates everyone and everything, and meeting that generosity through the outstretched hands of other people and new experiences where we don't use those new experiences to just reinforce our hardened shells that we've erected against life. <laughs> 